Hi, welcome to Not All Lawyers Have Law Degrees, plus other useful things we found out about becoming a lawyer and the people that do. Hello, I'm Joanna Pryor. I'm a trainee solicitor at BBC Legal. Welcome to our mini-series all about career changers like me. When I changed careers from journalism to law, I had so many questions about the practical stuff and I learned it's not always easy to find a straight answer as a career changer. But I was really lucky to find someone at BBC Legal who taught me through it all and that advice was totally invaluable. So I think this episode will be really useful to anyone looking to answer those key practical questions because I've been speaking to Suzanne Hutton, who's the careers manager for online students at the University of Law, and that includes a lot of mature students and career changers. She's a career changer herself, having moved from being a family solicitor to career coaching, and she's an absolute goldmine of knowledge on changing careers. She told me all about how she helps students in her role now. I am careers consultant at the University of Law, And I am working with, I think, a cohort of 4,000 online students. So my day-to-day work is to support them through this really challenging career journey from identifying appropriate target firms through to making sure the CV is in great order to mock interviews. So it's a really comprehensive support service, which I do because I felt that that was lacking when I entered into law. So that was a real motivator for me to give people a helping hand because it is a bit of a minefield, as we know. You're a career changer yourself, aren't you? I am. So I qualified as a solicitor back in 2009 and spent about 10 years on the front line of the family law court. And after that period of time, I was ready to step away and do something, I suppose, a little bit lighter, but still use my expertise helping others. So in the time that you've been doing the job you're doing now, would you say that the legal profession has changed? Would you say there is more advice and there is a broader spectrum of people coming into the profession? In terms of the the trends in people entering law, I think it's pretty well documented that many people did a lot of soul searching during all this time we had in in lockdown and whether it was a case of I need a bigger house now or a garden for the the lockdown pup or a case of, well, why am I still doing this job where I'm disillusioned by it or I've progressed as far as I can? I think we're seeing huge volumes of, of career changes and it certainly has stepped up markedly. And in fact, we introduced a career changes scholarship during the second lockdown, which I suppose is is a nod to the the sheer volume and and the demand. What sort of advice would you typically give people? A huge part of it is showcasing what they've done before. And it won't surprise you for me to mention transferable skills, which is is such a buzzword when, when working with career changes. But Students quite often come to me and they don't fully recognise the quality of the work they've done. And part of my role is really analysing what they've done before and how it can be leveraged in their pitch 
to legal recruiters. And I see things that candidates don't see in themselves. I'll use an example of a a brilliant student who I've been working with. Um, She has quite a young family. She said to me, I've got no direct legal experience. And after about an hour talking to her, she had absolutely dazzled me with the fact she'd essentially litigated her own mum's medical negligence claim. And so she'd basically run that case from start to finish. And I really put her on the spot and and said, you've absolutely got legal experience. So people don't always recognise their own abilities and which elements of their experience to to harness. Obviously, that's a very impressive example, but I suppose it's just having an awareness, isn't it? The more you know about law, realising that it is a part of all our lives, day in, day out. Yeah, absolutely. And there is the quite a common thread with people who've been through court themselves. And I know my specialism being family law, I know that lots of people are really profoundly affected by their own experiences and might even, you know, look at the solicitor who's represented them and think, I could do a better job than that. And I don't mean to throw anyone <laughs> anyone under the bus, but that's exactly the sort of confidence that you need to, to make it in this profession. So where would you say the gaps are typically and what do you think people should be trying to demonstrate? I think an ability to advise, which sounds very basic, doesn't it? But that's the, the bread and butter of the profession. Um, so I always encourage citizens advice or, or law centre type experience if if that can be gained. But I, I suppose client contact and client service comes in many guises as well. So it's about being a bit creative. And I think I was working with a student recently who'd been a PA for a luxury fashion brand. And again, dealing with probably high net worth, quite demanding customers in their own way. That skill of creating a good client or customer experience and again that can come from many different places. What's your feeling about people maybe taking that experience that they've got and building on it so going into an area of law that most closely relates to the world that they've already been in or would you say actually you're just as able to go and do something completely different? Yeah, I know this was touched upon in the the podcast with Rachel Bell. That's right. So my approach to that would be to always leverage the experience you've got. So if you're a musician, for example, then why not mention that in your applications to a firm that has a practice area or, or a specialism in entertainment law But that isn't the same as advising them to only pitch themselves on that basis. I think it's the route in. It's the route to get you to the vacation scheme or to the interview by saying, look, I understand the sort of work you do and I understand the type of clients you have. But then I think it's equally legitimate to say I've also got this budding interest in a different practice area. And this is why I will be equally brilliant at that. So it's not the be all and end all, but I think you've got to 
really use that material to tap into the specialisms of, of the firms you're applying to. And you mentioned VAC schemes there. How essential is it to be involved in at least one VAC scheme in the process? I think it's it's really important, although this is subject to the type of firm that candidates are reaching for. But I think the vacation scheme for me it's a two-way street. I always labour this point to, to my students. They are scrutinising your every last move and, and breath. And equally, the confident candidate should be doing the same and thinking, is this the sort of work culture that suits me? Do I like the people? Are these my people? And also, it's the best opportunity that the firm has to see how you operate, how you interact with your peers, how you take instruction. So it's their best measure of you. But for career changes where it might sometimes be difficult, if not impossible, to to just disappear for, for those two weeks, many firms do still accept the direct applications. But it is dependent upon the size and the scale and I suppose the name of the firm. So the more you move away from the city and to those smaller or medium-sized practices, I think the more variation you have in the recruitment process. And then obviously, wherever you go, you need to make your CV as you know impressive as you can. So someone, again, who's a career changer, they've probably got a lot to say, but might feel that none of it is relevant and the most relevant stuff, there's not much of it. So is there any sort of advice you would give in that situation? Law is such a feature of many different aspects of our lives. So I've seen students quite effectively create a legal experience section and just cherry pick those elements of their current role that has been touched upon the law or been quasi-legal in nature. And if, for example, they've been part of a company and have instructed lawyers, I encourage candidates to show that engagement with lawyers, which is such an important part of the job. So there are tricks to to the trade, I think, and and knowing what to highlight. It's really drawing out the skills from other experiences. Exactly. And the key skills that that I'm always looking for when when I'm analysing a CV. Um, So there there are those so-called soft skills, which I think it's a bit of a misnomer because they're so important, actually. But your communication, your active listening, emotional intelligence, every lawyer needs that as far as I'm concerned. So it's how you can bring out, I guess, those more subtle skills and then the harder skills. So the analysis Um, drafting, interviewing, so really strong, active verbs. And I suppose one of my main tips, and I'm like a stuck record with this, is make it easy for your reader. So bullet points, concision, nothing too fancy and flowery because we're very conservative, small c as as a profession when it comes to legal recruitment. How much of a financial stretch is it? And what are the options available to people? It's a huge financial burden. It's a real measure, I think, of the commitment of career changes to be investing thousands and thousands of of pounds when conceivably they're leaving behind financial security in, in a previous role. 
the ideal, the, the dream is to secure sponsorship by getting the training program first. And then you take your cues from whichever firm it is, and they tell you to go and take whichever courses they, they direct and then very kindly pay for it. So that's the dream. It's not a reality for everyone. And again, the, the smaller the, the firm, the less likely you are to, to be offered that sort of sponsorship. Um, bank loans, I, I've known of students who, who have to put fees on credit cards. That, that is the gritty reality of it. There is some funding available for certain courses. So there is some funding through universities out there. Um, but it's it's a huge financial endeavour, um, and you really have to want it to <laughs> to to put yourself through that. And and I think one of the points that came up again in the earlier podcast was about the timing of applications for career changes. I think if you do have that professional confidence, if you have a strong track record in whatever you've done before. So that might be a military career. Um, it might be as a, a musician, as I've said. It might be someone who had their own startup that's gone from strength to strength. If you've got that really strong track record and enough to say about you and your skill set and all the, the gravitas that, that goes with having had that first career, I think uh, apply immediately. Start doing your research, seeing how and when firms recruit and put yourself out there because only then will you know how your applications are landing and only then will you get your first taste of rejection which is part of it for all of us I think or most of us in my experience and and only then can you bounce back and really show your tenacity uh, which I always say that that rejection as, as galling as it is it foreshadows the challenges of of the profession. Can you just give us some kind of idea of um, the people who you have experience of meeting, what backgrounds they've come from before changing into law, what sort of range? So I've worked recently with a, she'd got to a very senior position in teaching. She was head of department in a, a secondary school and she's done very well, very quickly, again, with that gravitas and I suppose the authority of of, of a teacher who's used to a, a riotous mob, um, which is how some clients could be described, I suppose. <laughs> um, I've had or I've seen really great success in ex-military law students. And you can see that, can't you? The the discipline and the resilience. And again, these really big employability buzzwords. It's a career in the military has, has got that written all over it. So there's there's a really distinct narrative there. And, and again, one student I worked with, he'd done his GDL or at least part of it from a tent whilst deployed in Afghanistan. And that is, it's going to be absolutely uh, dazzling, isn't it, for, for legal recruiters? This is why I like working with career changers because the, the raw materials they bring, it's really exciting to, to mould that with them and work out 
what their narrative is. There was something else you said there, which made me think of another question that's now I've got distracted by the fact that someone doing his work in Afghanistan. I can't imagine that. In a tent, I know. I know. Facing facing, um, crossfire. I mean, I've imagined that bit, but that's the image you get, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Well, we're just back watching Homeland again, so my mind's (laughs) buzzing. So obviously that's people coming from a whole range of different backgrounds. Do employers really value skills from other fields, would you say? Absolutely. I think if you can demonstrate a really strong foundation set of skills wherever you've come from and also show progression through an earlier career, I think that that's really important as well. And the adaptability of being able to move from one career very persuasively into a legal career. So I think adaptability and versatility, again, these are really key skills to to be able to to demonstrate in in your pitch to legal recruiters. I'm quite keen when I see that students have, sounds quite um, basic, but if they've worked in uh, McDonald's or if you've seen them progress to a, a position of responsibility at Costa, again, that progression can be really important to, to demonstrate. I don't know why I mentioned McDonald's. I think it's when you watch them operate and how streamlined it is and how fast-paced, talk about a fast-paced environment. Um, and actually, I think one of our successful career changer scholarships had a similar background to that. And she'd really persuaded us in the assessment of the application that, that she had w- what it would take to, to make it into law. And again, there's a bit of a food theme developing here, but any student who's worked in maybe quite a high-end restaurant where the expectations are so high, the clientele expect perfection. Again, you can see the material there, can't you? Absolutely. If this is something that someone is thinking of doing, it can be quite overwhelming still to think about where you actually begin, just right back at the very beginning and what it is you absolutely need to make sure you do to make this happen. I think racking your brains to think of any lawyers you might know, and even if it's the neighbour's son, or it doesn't matter who it is, I think take any opportunity to speak to practising lawyers and get their insights and even if they practice in a field that you think holds zero interest for you, just have the conversation with them because you never know what that might lead to. And and again, I think many students are really almost blinkered and city focused and it has to be the bright lights of the city. I would urge career changes to think really carefully about that. And is that the working culture that they want? Do they want that more cutthroat city end of things? Or actually, would they be happier with, I guess, a slightly on the face of it, less exciting legal career, but doing the sort of work that they're going to enjoy? And and I think thinking about professional fulfilment and the types of clients you want to work for I think that almost has to happen first and then you target the firms who are working for those sorts of clients and doing that that type of work. So I think lots of research. If you happen upon firms that you think interest you, just follow really closely 
what they're talking about in their blog section or the press section of their website. Again, that's slightly trickier with smaller firms or, or less glossy firms. But if you are reaching for, for the city or national or international law firms, they will always be crowing about something big that's happening there. So in a sense, it, it's easier at that end of the profession to, to get an understanding of firms and what they're doing so that you can then target them appropriately. I think if you are looking to maybe a regional firm or, or a smaller scale practice, I think speculative applications can be a really useful approach um, and offering yourself up if you can, even if it's, you know, I've got a week free in the school holidays. I'd love to come and see how you work and contribute what I can. And it's about laying those foundations and marginal gains. So any small thing you can do each day, whether it's listen to a legal podcast, read a lawyer's blog, send your CV to a local law firm. These are all really, really critical steps. And I think a key piece of advice as well is be willing to be patient. So I urge students, you know, just because you feel that you're older or because you are older than the graduates being churned out of university, it doesn't mean that there is a huge rush here because it's better to do it properly and meaningfully and find the right career change for yourself in the sense of the right firm and the right practice area that's more important, I think, than treating it as a sprint to the finish line. And actually, there was a, a really interesting statistic uh, that I think was released in the last week or so. And the average age now of qualified solicitors is 29. I hope I've got that right, which goes to show how many older lawyers are almost bringing up the average age because people are coming to the profession later. They've got more insight than certainly I had when I entered into law when I was relatively um, fresh uh, in 2009. And, and yeah, I think don't be daunted by the process because it is a process and there isn't this rush that, that people perceive there to be to, to get over the finish line. It's just, again, I suppose the, the key advice is be clear on what your narrative is, what your motivation is. So you have to be saying more than, I always quite fancied law. And I think exude confidence that, that you've gained during your earlier career. One of my sound bites is, and I think it, well, it is true because I've recruited people my, myself in the past, but when lawyers or, or HR people are interviewing legal candidates, they are pretty much always thinking, can we put this person in front of our clients or how soon can we put this person in front of our clients? And I think with career changes, they do bring that gravitas and that worldliness that means they can persuade legal recruiters, I'll be ready to, to go and you can trust me with your clients. And that's a really important part of the the process and, and impressing the recruiters. That was Suzanne Hutton from the University of Law. Wasn't it great to hear her talking about the variety of different people making a career change into law? 
I hope that was useful to all you career changers out there. We'll be posting some links in our show notes if you want to follow up and learn more. That's all for today, but we'll be back for our final Career Changes episode next week when Bridget will be talking to the brilliant Pauline Campbell about how she's found success after qualifying as a lawyer at 41. Don't miss that next week, but in the meantime, do check out our previous episodes. You can catch up on all of those on Acast, Apple and Spotify. Get in touch on Instagram. We're at Pod. We'd love to hear your questions and make sure to like, review and subscribe so you don't miss out on our new episodes. This has been Not All Lawyers from BBC Legal. BBC Legal.